Welcome to Planet Surgery, a medical podcast by Baxter Advanced Surgery Team. Hello everyone and welcome to the Planet Surgery podcast series, Insights into the World of Surgeons, Surgery and Perioperative Practitioners Across Europe. My name is Marta Almarcha and I'm the MSL for Baxter Advanced Surgery in Spain and Portugal. At Baxter, our vision is to be a global innovative leader in the operating room, providing solutions that improve patient outcomes and enhance lives. Baxter's podcast program is in a way for you to hear from colleagues across the world. In this episode, I will interview Dr. Alberto Di Soma. He is a neurosurgeon at Hospital Clinic in Barcelona and professor of neuroanatomy at the University of Barcelona, located in Spain. Today, We're going to discuss about endoscopic transorbital surgery, a relatively novel technique in school-based surgery. Welcome, Dr. Disoma, and thanks for giving us the opportunity to have this interview with you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me in this exciting podcast. So, what does it mean, endoscopic transorbital surgery, to the school base? So, endoscopic transorbital surgery to the skull base wants to say that we reach the skull base passing through the orbit cavity and by means of an endoscope as main instrument of visualization. In brief, we perform a small skin incision at the level of the superior eyelid, generally in a wrinkle of the superior eyelid, so that the surgical wood is basically invisible with opened eyes, and subsequently, after displacing a little bit the orbital content, we enter in the orbit cavity from its lateral aspect and so we gain space from the small endoscopic camera and we can follow this avenue to the skull base. Do you perform this kind of surgery in your hospital? Yes, we recently adopted this kind of surgery at the hospital clinic in Barcelona together with the chief of neurosurgery, Dr. Joaquim Enseñat, and our oculoplastic surgeons, and we are quite satisfied with the preliminary results obtaining in selected patients. Okay, and in which patients is indicated the use of this technique? There are different clinical situations where this kind of skull-based approach can be used. Recently, we published some indications and suggestions in terms of level of difficulties for this kind of surgery together with outstanding colleagues from United States, Italy, Spain, and Korea. This article was selected as cover from the October 2022 issue of the Journal of Neurosurgery, and it was really a great achievement for all of us. In this paper, we commented also on the main possible indications of this approach that may be Sphenorbital meningiomas, they may cause proptosis and can be operated with this approach. Extradural uh, or bone lesion, mainly located at the level of the lateral orbital wall. Intraorbital lesions, pathologies uh, of the mechal cave, like schwannoma of the trigeminal nerve or roots. Lesions of the cavernous sinus, with the aim of performing minimal invasive biopsy, a subsequent personalized treatment, as well as very selected petroclival lesion, intracellular temporal tumor, vascular pathologies. And some very complex skull-based lesion can be approached also in a so-called multiportal strategy, where the transorbital route is one of the different pathways 
implemented together, for example, with the endoscopic endonasal midline approach. And the idea of the multiportal skull base approach is to select different minimal invasive gates from various angles in order to reach the target from multiple sides and so uh, obtain a better control of the pathology and the surrounding vital neurovascular structures. However, here I need to stress that some of these indications uh, are today still uh, under investigations, so specific anatomic studies and dedicated clinical studies are needed to confirm uh, such surgical uh, indications. And what alternative is used in case of not using this technique? This is a very interesting question. There are several options that can be considered as alternative to the surgical pathway. Uh, a variety of transcranial routes can be selected or even endonasal midline approaches can be used, uh, all depending on the specific case. What about clinical results? of the endoscopic transorbital approach in your hospital? Good question, thank you. It is mandatory to analyze critically uh, preliminary results in order to understand advantages, limitations, indications, and contraindications. Above all, for a relatively novel surgical technique. So, we are recently analyzing our series of 20 consecutive cases that included all level of difficulties that we published recently, as I told before. The most important aspect that we would like to share now in this moment of uh, crescent interest uh, for the endoscopic transorbital surgery is related to safety. In other words, what happened to the eye can we reach safety the skull base passing through the eye? What about displacing the orbital contents for all the duration of the surgery? Indeed, one of the key criticisms against the use of the transorbital approaches for surgical treatment of skull base lesion is related to the concern of orbital complication from the approach itself. So we are now revising our data retrospectively, and uh, as said before, we are generally satisfied with the results uh, above all in terms of safety for the eye. Our data are under revision now but I can say that thanks to the close partnership with very expert oculoplastic surgeons we did not uh, experience any uh, surgical uh, and serious complication related directly to the approach. On the other hand, we are currently analyzing specific surgical results related to uh, the various skull-based lesions that can be operated through this approach. Which are the difficulties of using this technique? Being an endoscopic skull-based technique, the principal difficulties are related to the specific training of the surgical team. The main problem uh, of the endoscopic transorbital surgery nowadays may be related to the lack of general and wide experience, so some indication uh, are still under consideration. Okay, and do you have any scientific results yet? Yes, we do. Thanks to the hard work with many colleagues in the Laboratory of Surgical Neuroanatomy of the University of Barcelona, directed by Professor Alberto Prats-Galino, 
we have published several anatomical papers during the last seven, eight years in order to understand, compare, quantify the specific anatomy of the endoscopic transorbital superior eyelid approach to the skull base. And one of our anatomic study was selected as cover for ACTA uh, Neurochirurgica on September 2020. And that was a, a great accomplishment for our group. Moreover, very recently, we also published some preliminary surgical cases, most of them as case reports, and other many studies are ongoing. That was very interesting. Um, from the academic perspective, how did you share your experiences with the skull-based community? As I said, anatomy is the first step when dealing with a novel surgical technique. As we wrote on the How I Do It paper for Acta Neurochirurgica, uh, anatomy first. Comprehensive knowledge of the neuroanatomy as seen via the transorbital approach is mandatory. And with such assumption, we organized the first international anatomic endoscopic course in Barcelona in November 2021, together with an amazing international faculty that included colleagues from US, Korea, Italy, and Spain. And following this course, we did the second one in New York, directed by Dr. Schwartz and Dr. Mo, that had a great impact in the United States. Given the amazing feedback we had, we decided to organize the third endoscopic international hands-on transorbital course in Barcelona in November 2022. We think that it is of paramount interest to show and share with the neurosurgical community the neuroanatomy as seen via the transorbital route. Okay, um, what will be your advice for a young neurosurgeon who would like to learn this technique? So probably my advice would be try to attend endoscopic skull-based courses, a deep study of anatomy and spend some periods in the anatomic lab. That is the preliminary place uh, to stay before entering in the operating room. And when entering in the OR, do not forget lab. The concept of translational medicine classically oriented as from the uh, basic lab to the in vivo scenario, I think it is bidirectional in this case. It is not only from the lab to the OR, but also from the OR to the lab again, in order to reinforce comprehension, perform research studies, and continue with the progress of scientific knowledge. And Dr. Di Soma, what do you think is the future of this type of surgery? I think that uh, we need to wait specific clinical series in order to set up concrete indications for endoscopic transorbital surgery. However, looking at the literature, we see that there are already some relevant publications that confirm the role of this surgery alone or in combination with other skull-based techniques in a so-called multiportal approach, as I said before. So, I think that the next step is to raise up the level of evidence by means of case surveys, safety studies, comparative analysis in order to provide not only safety but also effectiveness of this kind of endoscopic scalpies approach. So thanks a lot, Dr. Di Soma. That was a very interesting conversation. And to the audience, please contact us for any feedback or question or if you want to be our next speaker. Thank you very much for listening and don't forget to come back in a few weeks to listen to our next episode. <music>